to this week's edition of the Comics Pals. Thank you for joining us, whether you're live on Twitch, watching us all over the internet, listening to us on audio platforms. Thank you for joining. Uh, I'm joined today by Kale. What's up, hot dogs? I, of course, am Sean. And no Marco, but we've got, well, we've got Tyler, but we've also got Tyler. <laughs> We're joined by guest, not the not the guy you guys are used to, the the, the Joe Schmo you guys know. We have we have listen, we have someone who's actually listen relevant. All right, I'm gonna I dare say it. <laughs> I dare say it, Sean. You know I control the stream, right? That that is yeah. that is true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have the co-founder and co-publisher and friend of the show. Uh, Tyler Chintaner of A Wave Blue World. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Great to be back. Yes, yes. Uh, it's been it's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the last time we we got to chat, at least for the show, uh, was right in the thick of the pandemic. That was June 2020. So mm, yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. It feels if that feels like you say June I say June 2020. I think that's like four years ago. Just in terms <laughs> of like how yeah. how things have gone. Yeah. That's when I had a beard. It didn't, oh it didn't that's work. it didn't work out. Nah, that, well, yeah. It was a dark time. That's when you tried. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so uh say hello if you're in the chat watching live hello catherine or yeah catherine Silv. see you guys thank you guys for uh tuning in say hello as your as your um we're gonna talk to tyler about a wave blue world tyler is also a talented writer uh writer of mezzo which is really really great you guys have out um battle at caban rock so yeah. I want to talk about that, too. Um, but uh, before we get into that, I do want to let you guys know where you can. Internet, of course, we are the Comics Pals. You can get us at the Comics Pals on all social media platforms. If you want to support the show, you can do so by heading on over to Patreon.com slash the Comics Pals, where for as little as $3 a month, you can support your boys and you get access to some really cool content. We've got a newsletter that goes out every single week. We've got an exclusive show called Palling Around, where this week we talked about music. Uh, that was a fun conversation about our love of music and uh, our origins with that. Yeah. A little antagonistic towards the end, too. A, a little antagonistic. Yeah. We talked about that on Pals Polls. I don't know what happened. At Mr. Marco <laughs> Anamoto to ask him why he hates me. Um, but... Uh, also, you can get your name, your superhero or supervillain nickname shouted out on the show. Uh, that's a little thing we like to do here every single week. So without further ado, allow me to say thank you to these fine folks. Thunderstruck Rebecca Alejandro, The Night Stalker, Harris Najinsky, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Random Rocio, Kefis the Incorruptible, The Great Destroyer, Hyper Viper 89, Momentum Mike Elliott, Starcrossed Catherine Stars, the ultimate fighter, Snake of Talons. Thank you all so much for your support. We appreciate you guys. Uh, and I do want to uh, shout out Twitch, of course, twitch.tv slash the comics pals, where you can watch this show live every single Saturday at 10 15 a.m. Pals polls on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Whew. <laughs> Last one. Uh, next week, we will be having Al Ewing on the show cool. as a guest. So yeah, right. We're we're okay, pretty yeah. excited. Uh, send us in your questions. 
if you want to, uh, you know, if you've got any questions for the man behind, one of the men behind Immortal Hulk, Defenders, Ant-Man, and all the amazing things that uh, Al's working on. Enough shilling. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about A Wave Blue World. Let's talk about, let's talk with our guest this week. So, Tyler, we saw you at New York Comic Con this year. It was great to run into you. The last time we spoke, as I mentioned, cons were gone. Yeah. And we were talking about, you know, what's the future of the industry? We were talking about, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, not too many, like, great comic stuff to to discuss just because of where things were. But I love the the bigger conversations about the industry, too. So when you go back to New York Comic Con this year... It felt to me, and I want to get your take, it felt like, hey, we're back. It felt like not all the way business as usual, but in a lot of ways business as usual. What was your experience this year at New York Comic Con like? Yeah, yeah. It definitely was just jumping right back into everything that we were doing. Um, You know, other than just the mask, supposedly mandate, it wasn't really... (laughs) <laughs> mandated too strictly but you know those of us who wanted to wear them were wearing them um you know and, but uh, other than that i mean the floors were the same they were filled the yeah. exhibitors were there the creators were there fans were there um same space you know not, nothing you know was came came back i don't know at any lesser degree or was totally crippled other than just you know the safety and watching out and there's always been concrete um which again, why I think like masks, you know, even um, COVID aside, like masks actually can help that and hand sanitizer, things like that. So yeah. having that be part of the regular con, I think will bring down like everybody's um, level of exposure, you know, should they choose to to use that stuff, which I certainly did. Um, I didn't get a booth this year at New York Comic Con just because I didn't want to commit. It's one of the more expensive shows. Um my costs are pretty low from being in New York. So like, I don't have to get a hotel or travel, but it's still, it's a big expense to get the booth and just to commit the four days of, of working there from, from first, you know, it, the show hours are quite long. So that was one of the things about just going as an attendee was, you know, not only do I have not have to set up or tear down, but like, I yeah. as, I, as I pleased, which was nice. So I, I uh, experienced it that way, which is nice. Uh, my first convention was Heroes Con in June, and I'm doing Baltimore Comic Con at the end of the month. Those those actually like app booths and set up and stuff. So I'm getting back into it. It's going to be to a lesser degree. And then, of course, I'll have the protocols like the masks and the hand sanitizer and things like that to hopefully keep me safe and healthy, <laughs> as well as my family when I come back home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and. You know, like you said, like like it's kind of nice uh, being able to go to Comic Con and you know leave there and not have to spend the next week or two fighting through some unknown cold that has passed through the bodies of several people throughout the weekend and was a perfect cocktail to annihilate me. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so from a from a publishing standpoint, yeah, is there a is there like a difference for you in terms of sort of uh fraternizing and making uh you know appearances making the rounds getting to talk to creators i know that comic-con is often a place where 
deals get made, you know, yeah. deals get made. You see someone you haven't seen in a while say, Hey, you want to work on something together? And it, you know, things like that kind of happen. It, it, the return to physical conventions, yeah. was there a difference even in that, like compared to the pandemic days? Yeah. You know, I, I find that conventions work better indirect mm. for indirect connections and, and setting things up. Right. So I think rarely do you ever like, um, instantaneously meet somebody and then agree to start working on it? Or does the deal, the full deal itself actually happen on the show floor? But getting to mm -hmm. see people, like you meet, might meet somebody for the first time and then eventually get to know them and, and work with them. Or you might see somebody you haven't seen in a while and sort of like remember, kind of like us, like I ran into you, I think it was yeah. Ron V's table. And we're like, yeah, like, of course, like I remember you. And then we set this up and kind of like things. So, um, yeah, and just getting to be, to see people. I mean, there is value to to being able to see a person in real life. I mean, Zooms and things are great, you know, step up from email, but then just actually like physically seeing seeing the person and, and being, you know, in the same room together is great just sort of for solidifying relationships and, and just it's nice to have that every once in a while. Yeah, even even just on the level of like, seeing your friends you know yeah. like oh boy it's such a relief uh is to be able to go back and you know we've made friends like you know like you said like we ran into each other we've actually never even met in person so until that point so like that was great hey here's someone i've only known i've known for three years but only via zoom so right. mm -hmm. yeah um really really loving that return to form it's, uh, it's funny that tyler and i will never experience that not ty not tyler chintana or ty tyler olsen and i will yeah. never <laughs> you guys will never meet ever never yeah, once I'll, I'll take i'll take a trip i'll take a trip over all right where are you guys i'm in, uh, I'm in liverpool oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's we had like a window with kale <laughs> and that lasted yep. what two years and now it's gone and now yeah. kale's gone that's, that's right. that yeah yeah. Never coming back. It's just AI. <laughs> Kale's, Kale's completely gone. We've just made an AI robot that does a Zoom call. Um, yeah. And does but yeah. It, so. if that's the case, how come he's not a little nicer? Oh, I turned the crank. Well, well I turned the crank settings yeah. up all oh, the way up. Right. Yeah, I, cr I cranked them up. Right. That's yeah, it. I, I guess it wouldn't be Kale if if you know if, if we if we made him nicer. Uh, enough about us. Let's talk about uh, a wave blue world because. One of the things that was so cool when we last spoke was that, you know, you kind of said, hey, as a publisher, we sort of already operate with such a long tail yeah. um, that even though this this pandemic is, is not great on any level for your for your purposes, like the way you operate your business model. Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it hurts, but I, I would imagine that you guys were affected in a different way than many other publishers. So yeah. can you talk about since then? Yeah. You know, how have things been for you guys inside of things? What have you had to what's your reaction been to the last you know couple of years of, of the way things have been in the industry? Yeah, when the pandemic started, it almost had just um, supported the things that we had already been doing, already been moving to just virtual offices. Uh, you know, I work out of the house. Everybody, you know, the staff that we have all just work 
from, you know, wherever we're all remote. Um, so now, you know, we were doing things like Google chat and things like that, but then zoom really blew up, um, things like Slack, you know, we're all on there. We'll have our zoom meetings. That's already been the case. Um, and is mean virtual. So that, that's sort of just stayed the same through the pandemic. Um, and then, you know, what else? I mean, I guess just trying to do more virtual events. I think even before the pandemic, we're like, I don't want to do conventions like every month or every other week. Let's say it'd be great to be able to do more virtual events. So those started popping up and I'm just like, yeah, I really like that. So as much as it's nice to get back to a, a couple of conventions here or there, doing more virtual things, you know, um, doing more streams or live videos doing the whatnot app, um, just reaching people because I mean, even conventions, it's hard for people. You're trying to reach an audience essentially all over the world. I mean, there are some, some spots more than others, but uh, you know, at the very least all, all over the country, I'm not going to be able to hit conventions in every sector. That's easy enough to, to travel to. So, um, yeah, it just really helps reach an audience, you know, that can be wherever, just through through the screen. So, yeah, just that's been the been the good thing that just sort of strengthened those resources that we are already hoping for and moving to. Um, the negatives have really just been like the bottleneck of the distribution, of the supply chain, the increase mm. of the paper costs have made it very difficult um it seems like there's almost this sort of like kicking the can in the next person of um increased costs and you're kind of you have to play this game of almost like hot potato of like who's going to be the one stuck you know with the bill if, if, if i've got printers being like well we have to charge you more because we're our costs are more and then like um a lot of the like creators or staff that are, well, my cost of living is going up, so I need to be paid more for my thing. And I'm not complaining about any of this. It's like, okay, well, then, I mean, all my costs are going up. Can I charge more? Because then the readers will be like, well, we don't want to pay more. Or we're going to buy less. And I'm just like, where's the shuffling going on that? Like, where's this extra money coming from? Mm -hmm. Um and and that's been the tough part about figuring out what where where exactly are we going to land we'll land on this and what solutions can we come up with because uh, comic books just such a difficult business the margins are just so low um, between printing costs and what you get from your distribution that you can see why there's a lot of people that try to supplement that whether it's original art sales or exclusive covers like you can get sick of like the exclusive covers i understood that i've been through it with the 90s and now but honestly one of the most cost effective things you can do is if you're doing a print run throw a couple extra bucks for a variant cover or a foil something and you know, just try to like, see if you can get somebody to pay 10 bucks for a comic book instead of, you know, you know, and, and buy it directly from me. Cause if I can send a, a one comic book for, for 10 bucks, that beats the hell out of getting a dollar 20 from, from diamond when my print cost was probably like 95 cents kind of like thing. Um, yeah. So any like specials, merchandise, things like that have really been sort of the way, the only way I can figure out is how a creator or, or small business, um, you know, like they always say, like it's the the band, it's the T-shirt sales, not the uh, tickets, because that's cut down so much. 
by the time they get it or even albums or things like that that yeah you try to use the comic book to like build the audience and the readers and then hope your fans will come through with the the extra extra purchases um so i don't know if i just went off on a tangent or whatever but just you know from an industry business i can talk about this stuff all day because because i do it you know that's one of the things i i've been decided to go the independent publishing route so i know it from through and through from the very first step of pencil to paper to sales and and, and everything so uh um yeah i mean happy to talk about as much of that as you want um that's yeah go ahead yeah i was thinking so one of the things i've seen you you leverage too uh, like i remember the first time i i noticed it was when deadbeats volume one was first on kickstarter but you've you've used kickstarter in a way yeah um mm -hmm. does that ability to kind of um key in the people who are backing the project with the production of it add a whole new layer to it because like if it's you know big two or even image like you don't know the production of it you just know it's in solicitations and i'm going to get it eventually yeah um, but when it's crowdfunded being a little more transparent with that the whole process um what is that like really like because I, I gotta imagine it's a customer service uh, uh from a customer service standpoint it, it must be pretty interesting yeah, well, I think the strength of Kickstarter is build is actually building a direct relationship with your readers, yeah, with I your can. audience. There's no firewall between them because I mean I can tell you Diamond doesn't give you any information about who's buying your book. They don't want you. We want you to have it. They don't want you to have the stores numbers. They don't want you to have the stores number order numbers. They don't want to know. You know they don't pass that on because wow makes them less useful right that information is for mm -hmm. them and this isn't to, to shit on them or anything like sure that. yeah um but as as a creator as a publisher what you want to do is strengthen your direct relationship with your audience whether it's newsletter or social media or selling to them directly or kickstarter and so yeah that's a way to invite them in and be like hey here we are creating this project. And I think that's what appeals to them because sometimes it makes me wonder why people will throw down 30, 40, 50 bucks for something that hopefully will come out in a year or two years, something like that. Like what's, well, you'd never do that if, if a book came on like Amazon presale order it. We're not quite sure when this comes out, but it might be in a year or so, but you know, buy the book for $30 now, you know, you'd be like, you're crazy, but they'll do it in Kickstarter. Cause I think you're buying it directly from, you know, the creator or editor or, you know, whoever happens to be running it, writer, um, you get those updates, you get to, you get to be involved in the process, right? I mean, if anybody who knows anything about marketing, I think it begins with understanding that what you're selling is more about them. You want to make it more about them than you. Like, yes, this is the product, we're making it, but if you want somebody to buy it, you tell them why this is going to be good for that, them, for their life, you know, who they want to be, what they what they want their life to look like right right and even as something as simple as a story i mean when i'm at conventions i ask somebody what do you like to read you know what not this is a fantastic book anybody would love it no what do you, you know do you love graphic novels what genre you know whatever you find out about them and you sell them you know based on them i mean it's not it's not like a trick or anything it's just i want to get to know you so the more you can know about your audience what they want involve them in the process more they're gonna you know support you you know time time again buy those extras buy the next book you know whatever that that's what you want to build that's what you want to accumulate i i really appreciate your um your candor in this because i think that i honestly feel like 
one of the things that kind of got cracked open during the height of the pandemic was the fact that the industry was broken. Mm-hmm. I think I think we even even us like you know we we cover the industry, but we're also fans and like the degree to which the industry was broken wasn't clear mm-hmm. on our end until Diamond said, "All right, pause." Yeah. And then DC said, "No, we will leave." Yeah. You know, and 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 it kind of opened a, what what seems like a door that people didn't realize they could crack open yeah. by just saying, "Okay, we're going to go and, you know, get our comics into the hands of people that want them in another way." Yeah. Whether that be through a different distribution or, you know, just going digital whatever, they're saying we're going to cut around the middleman. Yeah. And I think that that has created a very different industry. Like you saying, for example, that, you know, maybe they don't want uh, creators or publishers to have access to comic book stores directly. I was blown away by that because in my mind, wouldn't you want Tyler Chintaner to go to a store and say, hey, guys, you know, this is the Away Blue World package. This is what we do. These yeah. are the kinds of books we put out. You know, hopefully you want to stock these. And doesn't that sh- strengthen the relationship? Is I don't, That seems better to me. Well, they do want you to do that. They do want you to do the outreach, the newsletters, the, the reaching out to them and telling about their comics. But when they then go to order it through the catalog, they Diamond wants to sort of control that information. They don't want... Because they don't want you going back and being like, oh, you order this man, many or this kind of like thing. Even when you do a promotion, you're like, oh, I want to give these freebies out or something like that. They're not going to tell you where they go or what stores because, again, that's just they, they need to be needed. You right. know, if they, they don't, I, don't, I don't know how much you can justify it by saying that, like, yeah, they could be potentially like losing control if they give you that information but but yeah they they see a lot of that so i'm not really breaking it down saying they should do this or they shouldn't but it is a bit frustrating when you're like it would be really helpful for me to know which stores exactly are are ordering because i can just be like you know um send out all this information to every single store just sort of blindly or whatever i can go in and build a certain relationship but if i don't know if I'm contacting a store that never has and never will order a Wave of the World project because they don't do that, you'd save me so much time. Whereas if there's a store I've never heard of, there could be a store in Oklahoma that I've never heard of that constantly orders my book month after month, month. I don't even know their phone number or how to reach them to say thank you or to support that. And they, they could be doing it. I wouldn't even know unless I ran into them or they reached out to me. So yeah, just things like that that are, that are frustrating. That seems like one of the benefits of Kickstarter too, because you can have those yeah. retailer bundles where yeah. you can directly yeah, see. Yeah, I have gotten to know some yeah. stores exactly that. Like, I didn't even know you liked our books, and now I know this. The store backs our Kickstarter, and I can and I can actually send them to Diamond now, right? Because not all my books come through Kickstarter, so it's like if they bought mm-hmm. a bond retailer bundle, well, then when I have my next book coming out through Diamond and solicited, I send them an email and be like, "Hey, this is in Diamond. Here are some preview pages and the solicitation information." So. I mean, I'm using it to help all parties. Like, I'm not saying there shouldn't be distribution or we don't want these middlemen when they serve a purpose. It's just, you know, making sure that you're taking care of your end as well and getting as much of that information. So that should they shut down or 
or or whatever like you're not going to be like totally lost like <laughs> i can't do anything because i don't have any of that information yeah was, right was that like a, uh, sorry there's curious like there's a there's a store here in new york that i feel like anyone comics i don't know if you've yeah if you, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah that's like i i, I went there that's a perfect like i'm that's a perfect store for you guys yeah. mm -hmm. and it's like who knows if there's plenty of stores across the entire country yeah. that are like that that would say hey we would welcome this kind of book so i i definitely think that kind of transparency would help more than yeah. it would hurt mm -hmm. yeah totally yeah but besides going around like i, I don't even know how i know i mean just because they're like semi-local and i you know, take the subway over there sometimes and pop up and talk to Demetrius and see the shop and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I got to start doing some more like in-store events, too. That would be nice, you know, instead of just conventions. So, but yeah, there's some really good stores. Going to try to find ones that I can like travel to, get around a little bit more and uh, yeah, do some more of that. Let's talk about the, the creative side, because, okay. you know, you also you get down in the trenches, too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been something that I've been trying to figure out the balance with life is, is um, it's, there's such different mindsets and they both take up so much time that like, it's hard because I, I even love to draw, you know, because I went to art school, I got into this through the Kubrick school. Um, hmm. And I mean, I've pre pretty much given, you know, that up as being like a main part of my focus, but I do want to really get keep keep writing get back into that it can be hard sometimes when you've got some important emails you know at 8 30 i just got my coffee and there's some all these important emails and that takes me through the day and i'm like oh when did i ever write and you can't just sort of like oh i've got this 20 minute window i'll pound out a script or whatever it's like right you have to get in the mo mode a little bit um so that so that's been tough i've been trying to figure out how to like really do some some writing and you know maybe a little drawing here and there so, um, Mezzo, out, yeah, yeah, uh, Mezzo two, uh, yep. battle, battle at Coban Rock, yeah. So, Mezzo one, um, yeah, was really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I I really had a blast reading it. I think that was whichever the last time, the time before last, we had you on. How yeah. does this one, uh, expand? Because this is, correct me if I'm wrong on the way this is impending volume two yeah yeah the uh, so, so i actually went back to running issues which is a little bit funny so because for volume one i did the number one premiere edition we printed a number one copy two months before the book came out and then just went straight to trade from that um which i got mixed responses like definitely like made sense you know and even when i went to volume two so i launched volume two this past may and ran the five issues through september and the book comes out on November 2nd. So it's about to come out, the, the, the full trade paperback. Um, and, you know, I definitely had the diminishing sales, as I always say. And then people are being like, oh, I couldn't find number three or this and that, which, which is the problem. But, you know, I, it was also fun to do the individual issues and people do like reading it serialized. Um, so that was fun. So we just did run the five single issues and the book comes out in a couple of weeks. Actually on Monday, they're arriving from the printer. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I knew when I launched Mezzo, like this wasn't one of those things where I was like, I'm definitely gonna do a first volume and we'll see from there. I was like, no, this is a big story. I do 
create story arcs for each volume um but the larger story and it's centered around the coming of a solar eclipse and the premise of of it was 12 years ago of the previous solar eclipse had caused a volcanic eruption and uh earthquake which just sent the dynamics you know complete chaos and, and dynamics and you had you know um groups running into each other so at the start of volume one we see the results of that previous eclipse while the next one is about to show up right and that's going to take us this eclipse is going to take us through what i think is going to be five volumes if not six i'll see when i get to the last one if i can cram it <laughs> in to, to one to one volume might be a bit too much for that um so that's sort of like the overarching thing. And then with each one, we sort of have a different story arc of, of what gets us there. And in the first volume, so the Zalakul, which is the empire that rose through sort of the, um, um, what do you call it? When like a, like, like an event, like a terrorist attack creates a change in thing. I, for, I forgot what they call it. Catalyst. Not a false flag. Cause that's a, what's that? A catalyst. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like a catalyst of, um, you know, because of that, the sort of religious order rose and the empire and kind of like, we need to like build this empire to like protect ourselves and we are the chosen one. So it, it calls on to both sort of like political power grabs and, and religious um, ones is um, fundamentalism to build this empire and the Zalakul begin their conquests over the land and over the tribes. And that's volume one. Um, so at the end of that, we have one tribe completely, you know, fractured and they meet up with their other ones, their previous rivals. Um, and we learn about like the family dynamics as Kima, you know, the main character, we find out her mother is actually runs the other tribe, the Konkin, and and what happens there. And so Battle of Coban Rock is sort of those tribes making their final stand against the coming Zalakul um, invasion and conquest. And, and that's what volume two is. And so it was great because I think volume one start, like I started right into the, the thick of things with a battle, with the invasion. And then volume two is is this large battle, this sort of war at, at this one point. So it's a lot of action. I want to keep things going, but also there's an underlining story that develops throughout this. Like, but I like to take the moments between the battles. Like this whole thing is like this, this fight um, and these alliances. And then we learn the story sort of along the way, um, both with flashbacks, but with character dynamics during these battles. So um yeah, that's what volume two is. I'm really excited be, for it to come out in the book form. It was fun to have the issues out just because I think it really does. For anybody who loved the first volume, I can only imagine they'll love the second volume even more because it just ramps up everything that volume one builds into just this really intense, you know, battle, meeting between characters, worlds colliding. And uh, yeah, it's just going to get even crazier from here. So we're already in, in volume three. I tease volume three at the end of, of this second volume that's about to come out. Um, so I'm excited just to keep it keep it rolling. Well, uh, first of all, you want to do six six volumes? If I can't squeeze the last one into volume five. Yeah, it's probably going to end up being more like six. So. Uh as 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 busy a man as you are, <laughs> yeah. As long as we waited, 
you know, you might you might be in that uh, in that nursing home, like, oh, I gotta finish this last page. <laughs> We're gonna get it out. It's gonna happen. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it up. I don't know if it'll be yearly. I mean, mm. that's why I'm trying to do one volume per year, which isn't too bad because that's five issues per year. Mm. Um, but we're we're gonna keep this. We're gonna keep this rolling just because, like I said, it is. It's all building towards this one sort of finale at, at, as the solar eclipse arrives. Um, so yeah, but it's a lot. But you know, I mean, actually, I mean usually publishers and writers are a little more fractured, you know? And so a writer needs to write like three or four books a month. And I'm only talking about doing five issues a year and publishers usually pump out, you know, four or five books a month. And so I'm, you know, I've only doing like, you know, one or two at the most per month. So in that sense, it's less, but yes, the fact that I'm on all sides of it is keeping me very busy for sure. I I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, I, I also, the concept of a solar eclipse mm. that's causing, that that will inevitably cause, the characters believe at least, you know, all this cataclysm. Yeah. Where as you were breaking that down, my mind thought just immediately about the upheaval of the pandemic mm-hmm. and how time, and I, I don't know that you intended that, but like how timely of a concept that is you know, something hanging over a people that's causing them great dread. And I would imagine to act out of character and things like that. Um, you know, that's all fascinating and feels so now. And yeah. it presents such an opportunity to say interesting things about human beings. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a very universal concept. So right. I, I started working on this well before the pandemic because even the first volume the book came out just before the pandemic started i think it was january 2020 um that it came out so it really was a little bit luckily i squeezed it out before in march started but then like rather than being able to tour around with it or anything we're a little quiet so that's another reason why i was excited for volume two to come out this this summer and um but yeah you know it I, it does it does tie in nicely with the pandemic, but it just had to do with all of this. Like you remember when the people, I mean, the rapture yeah, for one right. religion, but also like the the Mayan ca- calendar was supposedly coming to an end, that that was supposed to be the end of the world. So I based it a bit off of off of that. But just, I mean, it happens all the time. People are just like, this is going to be whether it's Y two, what was that uh, Y two K, yeah, 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 thing. Yeah. I mean, everybody's always trying to predict that something like this is the end times or or the end of the world and then the people that use that i mean the fear tactic i mean that's just one of the biggest power grabs out there is if you get people scared then they'll give us all all the access you know we need and control that we need to do whatever we want and just people at the top being like you know whether whether it's the you know religious televangelists or political you know, person running for for power. If you get people believing that there's this big threat out there, and you're the one that's going to be able to stop it, they'll give up all other, all other like um, rights and and uh, benefits that they they should be concerned about. So that that was the sort of just the universal element of of where I was going with this. I love it. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, so that's again November second. Uh, for the uh for the release of this one 
And I'll actually be debuting it at Baltimore Comic Con uh, the 28th. Mm-hmm. So it'll be out just the, week, the weekend before. For anybody going to Baltimore Comic Con, let's pick it up directly from me. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that that's that's cool as hell. Um, I always want to go to that con, actually. That's always one more important one. It's a fun con. I mean, that's why I love Heroes Con and Baltimore Con. I mean, I can dri- drive to both of them. Heroes Con is like an 11-hour drive, but Baltimore yeah. is just like three and a half from here. But they're very just comic booky. You know, and I don't mean that as like a clique, like you have to be like, you know, but it but it's not it's not like the big media cartoons blockbuster movie kind of things i mean it's creators it's exhibitors you know they've got an artist alley they've got a guest section and they got exhibitors selling you know comics and you know some things like toys and prints and stuff like that but it's it's just very um yeah i mean just whatever you like just the, the the, the comic book fandom, you know, we'll yeah. say it's not necessarily the people with their Wednesday pull list. Exactly. But you're not there because you like some TV show or something and never read a sure. comic. Yep. <laughs> so on this book, you worked with uh, on on the art, uh, Val Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, I I'm always curious about people like yourself who are you know, multi-talented, you know, you talked about how you went to the Kubert school. Yeah. Um, When you're working with an artist on a book, do you feel like I would, I mean, I would imagine your art background plays into that, even as the writer, maybe you're thinking more cinematically Mm -hmm. uh, or visually, I guess. Uh, How does that, how does that, how does your experience from that side of things play into your writing and collaborating with an artist to make this story come to life. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated. It's something that we've been dealing with. I mean, that I deal with with the artists, you know, in all of my books. Um, I definitely approach writing like I am writing a comic book, right? It's not it's not going to be adapted into a comic book by the artist. Where I feel like some people write sort of like a, just a general story, and the artist is like, okay, how do I break this down to panels? I mean, I write in beats and in panels and in establishing shots and in, um, I don't, you know, like I, I think in my head what this is going to look like, right. which can sort of interfere with the artist's sort of freedom, which I want them to be able to have. Um, so I would say both in the stages of when I'm writing the script and when I'm like reviewing like the layouts and the art, I try to find the perfect balance where I am writing and responding to this as somebody who knows what I'm talking about here, but also in a way that I'm not doing the artist's job for them, you know, in, in like, in like a good way that I'm not like right. let them do their, their job and, and, and interpret things as they see it. Um, finding that perfect balance where it's like, okay, I'm writing this in, as a comic book with beats and things like that, but I'm not telling you exactly how to draw each panel and each angle. Um, and sometimes Sometimes it can get a little confusing because maybe something comes up and I'm just like, because I had a certain intention, like I have to make the decision, like, am I okay with this, this reinterpretation of it? Or are they not quite getting what I was trying to convey here? And, you know, as much as I want my artists to know everything about the story, maybe they don't know that I'm building towards another scene. You can only write so much because because that'll overload. I mean, sometimes I'll write a panel description that's like half a page long because I need them to understand exactly what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you want the panel description that just says Joe hits Steve or do you want 
to explain to them, well, he hits them because of this character motivation. And it's like, sometimes they need to know that. Sometimes it just oversaturates their mind. Like I've seen some artists will do like a script where they'll write the full paragraph describing it, but the artist will go through and highlight Joe hits Steve. <laughs> and three words are highlighted. And they're like, basically like cross everything out um, that they that they didn't need. Um, so yeah, that's the balance because you want the artist to understand everything, but you also don't want to get in their, their way too much. And I think with, with Battle of Coven Rock, we really experimented on that where there were pages where I really explained I did like almost like an introduction to each page being like, Hey, these are these characters. These are why they're meeting and it's important. And, and then there were pages where it's like, listen, you know who these characters are now have them fight for five pages. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is what, you know, basically, essentially they'll fight. I, I would say like a little thing, like they'll fight and this character will get in trouble and this character will save them. But it was just a really short explanation for what happened for five pages. And Val got to just draw exactly how he wanted it to do it and he did some like crazy like you know panels and there were some two-page splashes and you know he did some really interesting things so that was fun to see that that he had the freedom to to do that yeah that's that's really cool uh and and i i feel like um there's so much room when you're when you're working on a comic for play yeah. And to have those big moments and to do really cool stuff and to let the artist just run wild. Mm -hmm. And given that this is the second uh, uh, volume, yeah. I can't wait to see how things loosen up. Because obviously the first volume of just about anything is going to include a lot of like staging and things like that. Yeah. And now that we've done that stuff, uh, now that you guys have done that stuff, I can't wait to see it you know cut loose yeah yeah i think that's a good description for, for volume two is like we really cut loose um from the get-go you know uh because number one did get to set that up where I, I tried to keep things moving like we said we start volume one even the opening scene is an invasion scene so um you know it gets going but you learn about the characters through them and that sets that up and that really allowed like i just labeled it battle of coven rock because that's what it is from page <laughs> number one to the last page of number five like it's it's a battle like it's i mean i guess it's essentially a day because i never break for for rest or sleep or the bathroom or anything um are you so, describing yeah, your work day it, it must be a five issue well, i never even really thought about it but it must be a five other than the flashbacks um it's essentially five issues of a single day battle um yeah that, that cuts slowly loose and and writing volume three was interesting because it's like oh all right i guess i actually have to go back to almost not like a reset but like the battle's over now right. so you have a couple issues before we get into the climax of volume three of you know re-establishing where people are now after the battle the new sort of setup um which was fun because then we got to take some i don't know call them almost like quieter moments mm. um which again was also very visual um we can see some of what i've teased is val being able to do some really nice like um you know, jungle scenes, like we're really, you know, you see how these people live and we got to show, you know, the house, the housing. I, I hope this doesn't make people think it's boring, but like the housing, like, oh, how do these people live? How do they get water? How do they get food? You know, 
a little bit of that, which I think maybe after two volumes of invasions and battles, people might appreciate the first three issues of volume three being like, you know, seeing how these people live and, and a little bit of more of that before we get to the climax, which again, we go big at the end of volume, volume three, four and five there. Um, but yeah, that, and that's what's been fun about doing this longer arc is um, really getting to choose the elements that you'll show of this larger world, you know, with each one. Um, getting there's there's you know this big cast of characters um so some of them you learn more about some of them you don't know much about their motivation and and, and being able to explore some of that as, as we go along so yeah this is uh mezzo 2 uh battle at coban rock is yeah. going to be out in stores so people can go pick it up yep yeah, awesome. I mean, I'm sure you can go order. It's up on Amazon now, and stores have already put their orders in. So um, anybody can run out and ask their store or or pick it up online um, if they're interested. And like I said, I'll be at Baltimore, and uh, we'll have it up on our website too. It's actually up on our website now. I say it's a pre-order, but I'll have copies on Monday. So I guess I can start fulfilling those if anybody wants to order it. <laughs> and, and by the way, one of the cool things that you guys have up here that I don't think i've ever seen before is you have the option of having it signed yeah. for no right. additional cost yeah. that's really cool yeah i mean it's just me <laughs> i'm the one sending it out too so i'm gonna write you a little post-it note and pack it up pack it securely and put the label on it and send it to you so i mean i don't i don't I don't know, like, you know, how much my signature has a value, so I'm not going to charge people for it. <laughs> I'd be like, add $5 for my signature. I'm just like, well, might as well just sign it. If you want it, some, and, you know, somebody, there's the option to, like, I have that be the standard if it's a book that I wrote, but you can choose not to have it signed if you prefer, you know, to have it clean or whatever. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do that. You order from awbw.com. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be one packing that up and, sending it so it probably the signature takes less time than typing in the your address so <laughs> maybe that's the thing maybe you should start charging people to have a clean copy <laughs> um, <laughs> you know it's funny because new york comic-con was crazy about like the signatures are really like people are starting to charge for yeah. their their signatures and and i get it on some level um because yeah, I mean, people will show up with boxes of comics and people will will sell them. Mm. Um, but it's hard to understand, like, what's the value of getting a comic book signed, especially like. Um, so, you know, I mean, because I went part of me was just going as a fan and getting things signed. And it's like you get a little sticker shock. Like I just like I read this comic. 10 years ago and I loved it and I was just going to get it signed. And you're telling me it's like $10 even for the first one. I'm like, yeah. Mm. I'm not, I'm not that big of a fan of you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're just gonna. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I already, you already bought the book. book. I don't need your <laughs> yeah. scribble for ten bucks. Um, which <laughs> isn't to say people, you know, who who just want to sort of mitigate the line and offer either three three copies for free, and after that you charge or you mm. charge for the CGC witness type like thing. And there's yeah. there's ways to do it, and I think some of it is just sorting that out. Um, but creators are certainly free to do whatever they want. If if the you know the guy that I'm talking about was sitting there with nobody because he was charging ten dollars for a signature, I'm like, I don't get that. You'd rather sit there and have nobody come up to you. Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe that's what you wanted, but I don't know <laughs> why you're there. Yeah. It's um, a way to avoid the contract. You know, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, whereas people who did like three for free and charge after that had a reasonable line, right? I mean, that's good. Um, there was that incident with Peach Momoko. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's because she just didn't adjust it <laughs> appropriately for New York Comic Con. And I respect that she aired more on doing things for free. Like it was 10 for free. And she was even sketching for like something super low, which of course everybody oh. wanted a sketch for like 30 yeah. bucks or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that was just the problem. And, and some of it is just going to be learning where to get, where, you know, your audience is and what you should charge and what you're willing to do. You know, if you're happy to sit there and sign for, for two straight hours or whatever, you know, great. If you don't want to, you can lessen that a little bit. So it'll be curious to see where that goes in the future. But for somebody like me, who's just selling my own comic book. Um, yeah. I mean, a signature is like, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> like, please, <laughs> you're buying my comic book. I feel like you're, you know, the signature is the least I can do. So, yeah, I'll be doing that for <laughs> for free for for whoever's buying my book. Because um, again, it's my book, right? You're buying it from me, so I appreciate it. It's not. I don't know some people maybe who feel like they've just been doing work for hire and aren't getting any royalties, and somebody comes up with a hundred copies of Spider-Man number whatever. Sure. Especially when it's the same thing, right? Like yeah, if somebody yeah. buys like ten copies of the same number one variant cover, clearly. That's not because they love their own personal copy or whatever, right? So, right. you know, I get it. I get it. So, <laughs> I, I see imagine both that's, sides. Yeah, I imagine that's what Rob Liefeld's line is like. It's like, all right, going to sign the uh, 300th issue of uh, First Appearance of Deadpool again. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, there, there's such a vast difference of creators and how they're treated like a commodity, right? Like we can all be like, oh, isn't Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, the luckiest person in the world? And they have all these fans. Yeah, most of those fans just see him as a value they can get on their book, right? I mean, so, so I get it. You're just being treated like, thank you for your signature. I'm gonna, you know, it, now, I now have something that I can sell or something like that. So, you know, I see it on both sides for sure. I think it's, like I said, it's all about just figuring out your place in the industry, who's buying your book and what you can do for that. Because if nobody's buying my book unless they want to read it. I hope you're not buying it because you think it's going to be valuable or whatever. I mean, to a certain degree, like all my comics have like value or whatever. But like, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like whatever Jim Lee's comic books, for, for whoever people believe, some of it is just people following a trend. Oh, Jim Lee's right. comic book is valuable. I now believe it's valuable and people just believe it. It's like the emperor's new will just believe it because that's what they see, you know? So, so for, for the live chat, uh, I threw in the, uh, AWBW link Thank for you. Mezzo, uh, in the live chat and I'll throw it in the, the YouTube, uh, description yeah. for the listeners, uh, after the fact. So oh, cool. Thank, yeah. Thanks, thanks for redirecting so us to talk about it. Cause I just started talking about, no, that's fine. I just want to make sure that, that, that they know, they know I can, I, I threw that in there. Yeah, yeah. So, and and by the way, uh, if you want to ask a question of Tyler uh, chat, uh, feel free. I have one last one. Uh, yeah. No, 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 not you. Tyler. They, yeah, don't, ask I, yeah, you they questions. don't ask me questions. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, so other Tyler, that's that's what I'll refer to him as. He he uh, brought up Kickstarter earlier yeah. and I um. 
there's a there's a topic about Kickstarter and comics that really sprung up over the last couple of years, which is that big time publishers in some instances, yeah, uh, 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 celebrities of note like uh, yeah. uh, Keanu Reeves, you know, they have used Kickstarter to make their comics yeah. happen, and we have seen. You know, obviously a ton of support go to that stuff. And there were, you know, there were creators who were saying, hey, this is kind of our lifeline, especially right now during the pandemic. You know, do we really need, you know, Keanu Reeves who can make this? He doesn't even need to make this a comic. He could just make this a movie. Uh, do we really need him sucking the, all the air out of the room? And as someone who has leveraged Kickstarter, uh, mm-hmm. successfully over the years, I, I really was just curious your take on, on something like that. I mean, my take on it is, does it really suck the air out of the room? I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, is there, I think it's, it's um, um, the same dollars necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with comic, go into any comic book store. It's just the, the walls are like, busting open even the biggest store is just going to be filled with comic books and choices like i don't even know how people decide look through a previews catalog it's like this thick right every month everywhere there's just so much content um out there that it's never going to be about making the industry like the the output of the industry small enough that your small book will get some some more play or whatever right I mean, you have to build your own audience. If you're small, you have to build build it um, and leverage your advantage of being a small creator who can talk directly to your fans and build this build this relationship. Um, because you, you're never going to live. It's like people that are like want to get a job by thinking that if they if they shit talk somebody or get in their way or keep them from rising up, that you're going to get their spot or whatever. If somebody gets this job. You know, this and that. It's like, no, you can't. Like, the only way we're going to get anywhere in this industry is is to lift everything up, right? Like, we just want more people to be reading comics or or know about it or whatever. Like, the, the person sitting next to you or the person in the, like, guest section, and you, you just, we, we really are still all in this together, right? And the more you try to fight for somebody else's dollar or look at them, selling something and like that should be mine i mean the more you're just working against yourself i mean i i I really believe that um which isn't to say that i necessarily don't think you couldn't divide things up a little bit better um i mean it's possible that you could have two different funding platforms i don't think that we don't want um keanu reeves or whatever to be able to use like a a funding platform and it's a bit too simplistic to say he should have funded this himself or boom should have funded or they should have had the money or it's like saying a, a filmmaker shouldn't right because they only yeah yeah i'm sure keanu has a few few million but like that's not a business model i think that's a bit naive to think that you build a business model just by throwing your own your own money at it right no you anybody wants to build something that finds an audience and sells and what he's saying is I want to do something that isn't a Marvel or DC character 
or whatever. It's work for hire. I want to build up my own thing. So you you need to introduce this independent thing. You need to build up an audience who know about it. Um, and clearly, Kickstarter does not work on people's sense of like charity, right? That's that's not about it. If if you go on a Kickstarter and like your only selling point is please donate money to me because I have no money or like that, you're you're only going to raise so much. People are backing Kickstarters because they like the system, right? People want this book and want to be part of the process, so they're going to want to do it for Keanu Reeves or any big name stars. They might a smaller one, and the fact that they're doing just lends legitimacy to it. I think so. I don't imagine that somebody's Kickstarter failed because it ran at the same time that that Keanu Reeves did or that somebody didn't back theirs because they put all their money into the Keanu Reeves things. I mean, that's the same thing as saying, like, you have an independent comic book that comes out, nobody bought it because they were all buying Spider-Man and Batman. It's like, no, I mean, the people who make those choices make those choices. And if you want to be in this business, unless your business model is, I'm going to guilt trip people into buying my small independent comic, which, I mean, some people, I guess, try to do, like, like lead with that, um, you, you have to be able to buck up a little bit and be like, I want to be a creator, whether it's an independent creator or a um, big two creator, you, you want to, you know, you know, throw your hat in the ring or whatever the analogy is, you, you have to, you have to be able to build yourself up. You have to find your audience. You have to do this for real. Like it's not, this isn't some like little league, right? I don't care mm-hmm. how small you want to be. You just want to be small in the big league right if not don't i don't know what you're doing but you're you're just gonna end up in harvard all right there's there's no like small time comic book publishing for for people who get their special special treatment because they're not not very big right you just you just have to learn how to do it as an independent creator you didn't you know so i don't know that's my take there i I don't know some people (laughs) might disagree or whatever but i mean that's my feeling towards it I again like I I thank you so much for your candor. Like that that was that was what I thought, but like be, that's what I think because you're again, you're a publisher. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not only not to diminish, but you're not only a creator. So you're looking at things from every angle and I would imagine even even from your standpoint it's like, well, I if I were hiring someone I would want to hire the person who I thought, hey, you have a great pitch, you have a great spirit, you're yeah. t- hardworking, rather than the person who says, hey, I need a job because I need a job, and don't you want to hire me? Right. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm a small publisher just because I want to do that model. It's a smaller, you know, um, more direct, personable model. It's not because. I want to publish lesser, like I don't view our comics that we publish as lesser, right? I don't view this as getting special compensation because we're not like big time creators or whatever. It's like people can choose that they like the more spectacular superhero, bigger companies, superstar artists or whatever, but we're not like, we don't view ourselves as the lower league. We just view ourselves as, as smaller, right? So, I mean, we're good. I, I hold myself to the same standard as building a comic book that I would think DC or, or Marvel would, you know, quality for coming out on time for, for audience, um, 
customer service, you know, all of that. If not, if not actually a little bit better, because you know, we want it, we we really, you know, do build an audience, you know, one person at a time type like thing. But yeah, I don't I would never like to have inferior customer service or a product and be like, well, you shouldn't be like mean about it because we're little or something like that. Like it's not it's not really what is what it's about, you know. I almost think there's I mean, and this is just this is just my thought. Like, I almost think there's more of an expectation, yeah, to you know, for your thing to be really, really on point, yeah, from a presentation standpoint, from a quality standpoint, because people are used to, you know, buying a Marvel or DC book, and and they, you know, those are high quality. That's my take on it. I mean, yeah, Marvel DC can get a, get away with printing on crappy paper and, you know, pick up some of these comics. Not only are they filled with ads, but they feel like it's going to fall apart in my hands. It's the thinnest paper I could surprise molecularly can stay together. (laughs) They're charging you 10 bucks for that. And they're charging you a lot of money for it. I'm like, well, I, you know, my reaction to that is I, I'm going to keep printing on the good paper. And when somebody buys a comic book for me, they feel like they've got something that's not only the content of this, the story and the art is good value, but we printed paper, you know, worthy of, of their money and of, of the work the artist put in into it. So, yeah. When I hold those DC uh, floppies, it feels like that, uh, that video of a raccoon with cotton candy trying to wash it in the water. Yeah. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's just going to just, just like just turn into dust really when I hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love series. That one's okay. But. I love DC books, but I completely agree. I just can't yeah, the stand the paper. Yeah. The paper stock is rough. Um, yeah, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I, I, I had a blast. I love the way you talk about this industry and how honest you've been. It's, it's a breath of fresh air. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, transparency, I guess it's just sort of my natural inclination because I don't even think about it. But creators that work with me, they love the transparency. I just, I think that's just so key. I mean, not only trustworthiness, I just really want to build my brand on, on trustworthiness and, and transparency. Like, I'm not here to pull the wool over anybody's eyes from creators to, to um, you know, readers. Um, I don't see any negatives to just letting the creator, like I let creators know exactly what we're doing with their book, when it's coming out. Um, they sometimes have more direct contact with my production and marketing people than I do. Like I get like, make sure you see, 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 but the two of them are just chatting about interviews <laughs> and, and when the book's coming out and, and design and stuff. And I think that's just like the way forward. Like let's break down the interior walls it's not a competition. It's not a secret. Um, let's, you know, let people know how 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 it's all made as, as best that we can. I mean, you want to sort of protect yourself that you're not like too exposed to like everything that you're doing. But but in terms of just, yeah, this is this is what's happening. This is what we're doing. I, I don't I don't see why not. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, guys, uh Mezzo 2 Battle at Coban Rock is out. November 2nd, uh, collected in trade. So you guys can get that at awbw.com or you can go to your local comic shop and get it. Or you can see Tyler at Baltimore Comic-Con and get yeah. it there. Next so, weekend. Yes, next weekend. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the people with? Uh, your 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 socials, anything like that? 
Yeah, well, a wave for the world or awbw.com. Those are the two ways that I shorten it. Um, but most of the socials is at a wave for the world or my socials are Tyler Chin Tanner, uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, things like that. Um, we're doing a whatnot stream. If you guys are onto that, I do that personally. It's a great way to get to know readers. You get to buy things directly from me. I'll talk about it and sign it and send it off to you. So, yeah, we're just... Oh, I'm out there. It's like shouldn't be that hard to find find us or our books. Um, just the way you know you normally would. So yeah, I'm around. I hope you'll check out our our books and read some some of our things. And uh, we're going to be at this for a while, so you'll be seeing me. I can guarantee that. <laughs> and and it, it'll be soon. Uh, we're we're coming up on 20 years of a wave blue world. Jin 25. 25 2000 oh, I started it I was still in art school that was my second year of art school I was just like I'm just gonna go and and start this up so it's why you know it's sort of like a slow start because if I found a company when you're still in art school and then you do like one series for the first few years but I mean that's what I'm doing so yeah but yeah we've been around uh almost 25 years I'm gonna go for 50 I'm sure I don't know we'll see I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't do anything like this world changes and we adapt with it that's one of the great things about being small is just adapt mm. to whatever who knows what'll be going on in another 25 years but we'll be figuring out how best to get comics and stories to people whether it's directly into their skull or not I don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? well, push a button you just, just oh I see it VR comics yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah that that is that is the ultimate evolution. Yeah, uh, I would I would love that. Just download it right into my brain. You don't have to worry um, about crappy paper stock at that point. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> no printing. Yeah. Leave the trees alone. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, hopefully in twenty five years uh, we can come back and talk about the fiftieth anniversary. Thank you so much, yeah. Tyler, for joining us. Uh, live viewers, we're going to. Uh, take a quick break, say goodbye to Tyler real quick, and we'll come back and do the rest of the show. We're going to be talking about the power struggle at DC. So we'll be back with that in a moment. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much if you hung around uh, on Twitch or anywhere for that matter. Uh, we had a great conversation with with Tyler. You're welcome. Uh, sorry, sorry, Tyler, for giving you some grief. It's, it's, it's my life. Well. It's my life. Uh, I like. I like up, that I was... we 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 still made the guest other Tyler. Like that doesn't. The guest should be main no, Tyler, right? Ty no, 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 this saying... this Tyler was other. I Tyler. was the other Tyler. Oh, I didn't get that. Maybe yeah, we should I, call I Tyler, it. but Tyler back and make sure he knows <laughs> our Tyler I, was other Tyler. I understood. Uh, the, the The thing is, I, I grew up with like a close friend named Tyler, and uh, she would always be Tyler, and I would just be like other Tyler or Tyler O because it's my last initial. Mm. Um, so it's, you know, it's just an inferiority complex I have that, that Sean fed into and it'll make me like really feel it throughout the rest of the day and the weekend and the rest of the week. So thanks. Oh Sean. no. Real, real horny, right? What? what? Yeah. Your I'm... inferiority complex. That's what no, you're no, into, no. right? No, 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 no. Degradation. Not my thing. Not, not my, not my, oh, not my kink of choice. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, we've learned about <laughs> the will, comics industry. From the perspective of a publisher, and we've also learned about Tyler's kinks. So, you typical episode of the Comics I Pals. Have. I don't have. Well, <laughs> let's let's step let's step a foot into the next. Ah, fuck! Into the next topic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. Damn it. Uh, so we promised we'd be talking about the DC universe and what's going on over there, and boy, oh boy, 
Um, DC's in a weird state. So let me. Uh, oh, oh my God! I can't believe I forgot. Tyler, we should do. We, I want to do listener comments. Oh, that's fine. I don't have the slide for it right now, but we can just go right into. That's it, fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll do listener comments real quick. Uh, I'll. Do you want me to read them? Uh, yeah. If you can just get yeah. it started, I don't have it up right no now. No worries. So uh, these comments come from uh, episode three twelve. Um, Aaron Ruiz. We'll start with, he said, as someone who's not really following the MCU projects consistently in the topic of burnout and mediocrity, I always lean to the problem being being mediocrity, since if the quality of a project is always good, then the talk about MCU doing too much content would be lower and people's time wouldn't feel wasted. I also think that the overarching theming or topic for these three phases so far is blurry. It's it's clearly trying to do the multiverse concept with different variants, but at the same time, it's trying to do the new generation with, again, different versions of old heroes that we know of and new upcoming heroes that we didn't know about. Um, Yeah, I feel like a real uh, conversation got started uh, based on some of the stuff we talked about last week. A lot of a lot of response to the uh the the main topic from last week the major delays over at the MCU and we kind of talked about like how we're or at least i was feeling really uh down on the MCU lately uh some people agreed with that like aaron some people very much didn't um our discord was on fire for a few days um yeah i, I agree with absolutely everything aaron said like i definitely think that if something is good and good is relative, like good is relative to who you're talking about. The masses. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely get in, get into discussion about good being relative. I bet when we talk about black Adam, which will be coming out. This yeah. Week. <laughs> yeah. Which our review for black Adam uh, will be out or is out now. If you're listening to this, not live. So you can go and, and listen to that. If you want to hear our thoughts. Um, but yeah, I, I think I definitely think that, Within the within the con- confines of the people who the MCU is for, because I think if you don't like MCU movies, your opinion about their quality now really doesn't matter because you don't like them at all. So, like, you not liking something today that you didn't like yesterday is no shock. But a person who's a fan saying, hey, uh, something's going on here, um, there's something to that. And when it's sort of consistent... I think that's something to follow. So I do agree with the mediocrity comment. Um, I I, I don't think anything other than that has really changed. You can say, oh, it's because there's no through line anymore. Oh, Thanos is gone. Oh, Iron Man's gone. Who cares? The fact is that the movies don't feel good the way they used to. And I know for my sake, it ain't because Thanos and Iron Man aren't on the screen. Uh, Something's different. Take that how you want to. Honestly, I, I, I found myself Googling not the MCU, but the MMCU um, earlier this week after uh, looking into Pierce Brosnan as uh, Dr. Fate. Um, I'm waiting for that Mamma Mia 3 movie. Mamma okay. Mia Cinematic Universe oh is what God. I am ready for. Pierce Brosnan was acting his Pierce Brosnan off in that film. Oh, oh in, in Mamma Mia? He- well... And Black Adam. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't save that for the review. That's, uh, oh, that's a line. I'm going to recycle that joke. Okay. You guys will have sure, to forgive sure. me for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That is very fair. Um, yeah. I guess we can we can move on. 
Do you uh, have yeah, it I, have, I have. I can. I have them up now. Yeah. So, right. um, stalwart commenter of the Comics Pals YouTube, Dan Trudeau, uh, commented on the on last week's episode three twelve. Uh, I'm with you guys in terms of the lack of excitement about Black Adam. He's a Captain Marvel villain who has been elevated because The Rock felt he'd be a good vehicle for breaking into superhero movies. I like the character, especially after what Jeff Johns did with him in JSA, but he is not a headliner. Even if the movie turns out great, it shouldn't be the foundation for the DCU, DCEU going forward because the character isn't a good representative of the DC universe. Yeah, you can cut it there. Um, I, again, another comment I completely agree with. I don't think Black Adam is a good, you know forward-facing character for the dc universe even like even if this movie makes a ton of money i don't think you're one of your main people should be a dude who no spoilers but like if you know anything at all about black adam at all you know that he kills people yeah his katie and he's cool with that yeah right like (laughs) like uh, come on um, and and we can just go on to the next comment whenever you guys say what you yeah, have to yeah. say. So, uh, do we have to? Um, so, it's uh, Matt <laughs> Murphy. Um, he has two comments, I guess. Do you want to get to this, the first one first? The first one and then, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is on the 312 episode. Uh, the news is out. Fantastic Four is delayed. Was the Sean equivalent of the Queen has died? <laughs> <laughs> we should have had like a public service announcement with like a, one of those radio uh, uh, signals. Uh, Kelly, you're muted, muted, I think. Yeah. We're in the middle of a broadcast and it just goes black with yep. a picture of the four come up. The, the Fantastic Four has been delayed. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dude, what Sh- I. Sean Martley has died. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, when the Queen died, I was like, wow, that's crazy. Someone old died. And then uh, when Fantastic Four got delayed, I literally, not joking, I won't replicate it because it would be too loud. I yelled, no, <laughs> out typical, loud. Typical MCU enjoyer. Uh, yeah. No no view of global, political, or uh, <laughs> uh, it's just only only the fun stuff. It's weird to care that the queen died, quite frankly. But um, Fantastic understand. Four getting delayed. I mean, my God. Yeah, that's Your right. Dreams that was died that- at that point. 10, 11. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget. Uh, and then the same, the same Jamoke, uh, Matt Murphy uh, commented on the Discord. Uh, this question is informed by what Sean was talking about on this week's Palace Polls with Miracle Man. What comic has the industry, friends, creators, comics, fans in general, overhyped for you to the point where you just don't want to read it ever? For me, it's Bendis and Leaves Daredevil. Interesting. Everyone has talked about this book like the Holy Grail, and I have a feeling I will never enjoy it as much as everyone says I will. Bonus points for the book you overhyped to the point it scares people off. Mine is Strangers in Paradise. Can confirm that his is Strangers in Paradise. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, uh, he, he hypes that book up so much where, like, it got me to read Terry Moore, but I've never read Strangers in Paradise. Mm. Uh, what? Uh, shit. Just because Matt's my closest friend, it might be Strangers in Paradise for me. <laughs> it might be that one book that I might not ever get to because it, it is a dense read, too. There's a lot. Um, for- maybe, um, yeah. It might be Terry Moore's other one too, Rachel Rising. I feel like that's another one where like I hear fantastic things about it. Just haven't gotten to it. For context, uh I we read Miracle Man for the for Pals Pulls this week, and I just 
didn't like it. I have bad preconceived notions about it. I've heard too much about it, too much of Marvel, Marvel touting it that I was just I, I had a, I came in with a lot of baggage on that book. And so the question idea is what other books do you not read because other people hype them up to the point where you're just like, you know what? I don't even want to deal with this. Um, and bonus points if you'll share the book that you do that to other people with. For Miracle Man, for you, Sean, it felt like the hype was so big, it just blinded you to the actual pages. You might have just been looking at uh, printer paper because uh, you felt like you just had blind hate towards it. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say I – like I, I stand by the critique in the sense that I just didn't think – I didn't think it was that good. Um, and it, it also – probably would have read a lot better when it was intended to come out because there's stuff in there that's just like what the f- you know what is this yeah, talk about never so forget. Dated. <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh i i don't know if i i guess my book that i don't want to touch is miracle man and it's strictly because of marvel it's only because of marvel they have been talking way too much about this book for way too long to not put out anything new like actually new um, in the intervening time. I don't get it. Uh, the book that I hype people up with, I don't really do that. I don't think. Uh, I don't badger people about what I think they should read. Um, I guess maybe something that people might be annoyed to hear me talk about. Not in my life, but maybe on this show, I guess it would be Civil War. But Kale I also think that... A, a differing opinion on that <laughs> when you said, oh, I don't think I'll hype something up. Kale was like, oh, well... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. If you think there's I would love we should do that for each other. Uh no. Uh maybe I read into it. No, right. I don't I don't think it was yeah. I think I had a thought about something Sean said before that. Oh. And I was reacting to that. Uh I guess uh, mine I don't think is I don't think mine is a uh an ugh, I'm never gonna read that. Um but I think the one that I don't want to touch is Grant Morrison's Invisibles. Mm. Oh, interesting. There are a lot of people that, especially around the time that I started going to comic book school, um, that were like, oh, the Invisibles will change your life. It'll Mm. change the way everybody... And I said, you know what? I don't actually need that right now. (laughs) I don't need my life changed. That's right. And, (laughs) And now I'm a bit like... Maybe I could do it. <laughs> as far as what what do I pimp out? I don't know. I don't know if I talk Santa about things theater. enough. There's nothing you've annoyed Maybe. me with. Yeah. I'll say that. But I would say you talked a lot uh, about Black Hammer over the years. Yeah, Not to the point Black of annoyance. Hammer. But. Maybe uh, uh, Usagi. Maybe. Yeah. I think it's funny you you mentioned Usagi because the last time we interviewed Tyler Chin Tanner, your pal's poll was Usagi Yojimbo. Was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's when pal's polls was a different thing entirely. Yep, that's when it was a segment on this show. Mm. Um, I, I know what I hype up to the point where it turns people off. Uh, it's Howard the Duck in any iteration. <laughs> 100 million percent. You're the I reason why... You're the reason I had to read a Howard the Duck book. Yeah, I stand by it. Still good. Um, but like, to, like, uh, like, there's a reason why I never watched Breaking Bad because it's been hyped up so much to me that I just don't want to yeah. watch it anymore. Um, but I think One Piece might be a book 
that I, like I've, I've gotten like maybe a volume into it and I'm like, it's too daunting. Like I know everyone tells me to read this, but like I don't see the end. Like, like <laughs> literally, physically. I mean, you will soon. I guess you have like, to climb so... a you have to climb a tower of manga to get to it, but it's yeah, seriously, it is <laughs> insane. Can I also just just say I love the fact that like people constantly shit on American comics for not ending, and yet <laughs> uh, One Piece is still going, Dragon Ball still going. There's like that's totally cool. I think the difference is that it is a singular vision. Uh huh. Hey, Spider-Man has a singular vision. It's called Marvel Comics, okay? Oh, I thought they're gonna say it's Spidey Senses, but yes, no. I guess that that's one thing. I, I guess I hadn't considered that. Another one that people talk about is uh, what's the one that Marco always wants me to take, wants me to read? Um, Attack on Titan. Mm. Yeah. AOT. Yeah, that yeah, is, that's uh, the one. Apparently, that anti-Semitic. Like, <laughs> yeah, which I was like, I'm not boy. touching that. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about what. What you guys listening, uh, what your picks would be because I feel like everybody's got one. Everybody's got a book that they just don't want to read because people talk about it too much. It's, it's so anyone she- whose favorite book is Spawn. That's the book they push too much on people. Uh, yeah. Well, I, no, not even. Uh, to, I love. Spawn. I need to. Just, I need to say Spawn so I can add it as a hashtag into the video. SEO. That's funny. Yeah. We can Gotta use it as a thumbnail. We could also just review the books, but that's I okay. do want to review that Mike Del Mundo one coming out. So yeah, and we will, we will. That's our that's our gateway back to Spawn. There we go. Speaking speaking of reviews, our Black Adam review is out now, uh, and a lot of people are reviewing it, of course, because the movie has officially dropped. Uh, Fifteen years worth of development, it has dropped, and it's doing okay. It's doing okay at the box office right now. Uh, it, uh, started off with 14 million, uh, when it, when it first released internationally, um, it's probably gonna, I mean, it's going to win the weekend. Like it'd be weird if it didn't, uh, Friday as a Friday afternoon, uh, it was projected to make $25 million on Friday. Um, and as of now, it looks like it will end up with an opening of about sixty to sixty-two million dollars. Hmm. Cool. So, an opening or Friday? Opening, oh, 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 an overall weekend. Yeah, of okay. sixty to sixty-two. And weekend um, now is Thursday to Sunday, right? Yes, that includes okay. the Thursday preview night. Yeah, the weekend yes. is half a week. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So is that that's good. 60 million that's good that's modest for a superhero film um i think for an unproven project it's pretty good because like comparatively uh i have the data for uh uh, uh, hobbs and shaw which Mm -hmm. opened to 60 million so that's you know hobbs and shaw was a spinoff oh that's that's pretty that's pretty solid this is actually the biggest opening this is the biggest opening of the rock's career where he was the main actor in the movie, like the main star. Man, if if Jungle Cruise didn't release during a pandemic, I I love that movie. It's a great it's a great rock movie. That probably would have would have hit. You think you really you really think it would have hit? No, it's just me. Yeah, exactly. I don't have my Disney adult shirt nearby, so. Uh this this movie has the potential 
to reignite the DCU, the DCFU, if you will. <laughs> um, but there's a lot happening behind the scenes over at DC. A lot. And we're going to talk about all that right now because um, DC's blowing up. So it starts with this. Walter Hamada, who is... He's been the president over at DC, uh, Warner Brothers, for a while. Uh, but he's stepping down. He, he has stepped down. I, th- I think it's official at this point. He didn't even go to the... Um, yeah, I believe it, it was official by at least early Friday. Yeah. He, he didn't even go to the premiere of Black Adam. Damn. Yeah. Um, so Walt, Walter Hamada is, is ending his run uh, over there. And now what has happened, remarkably, is there's a power grab happening at DC Films. This is all based on a what I thought was a fantastic report uh, from The Hollywood Reporter uh, by Boris mm-hmm. Kitt, who does a lot of great work over there. And I'm going to break down what's happening. And then we'll dive into the pieces because there are a lot of names involved and a lot of characters involved. What we what we have to understand when we're talking about DC films in particular, Marvel less so because Marvel really feels cohesive. Everybody answers to Kevin Feige. You don't really get to like go and pick Marvel apart for what you want to do. That doesn't really get to happen. Uh, but at DC, especially without Walter Hamada anymore, it's a different story. So let's start with Black Adam because The Rock is the guy behind that one, and it just came out. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, has an idea of what he wants the DC Universe to look like. I don't remember if we talked about this last week, but there were there were even talks about him becoming... Uh, president of DC uh, post Walter Hamada. That's nuts. That's, That's not going to be happening. But um, he has been obviously an advocate of bringing Henry Cavill back for um, future projects. They want to do like, you know, Batman versus Black Adam versus Superman. Yeah, Black Adam versus Superman. Exactly. Um, he rated Batman or Superman. That shit. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, that, that <laughs> happened. Uh, but but no, but he wants Black Adam to be highly prominent. He wants the return of Superman, and he wants these characters to interact. So that's that's what the Rock, the Rock's angle of it is. And he talked this week about how like it's been impossible to get, you know, uh, with the old regime to get conversations going about Henry Cavill and like that's all he wanted and you know yada 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 right and all these potential plans for the future um this week we learned from reports that have that have come out including the report from the Hollywood Hollywood reporter that is expected that a man of steel 2 is going to be made Okay, that's cool. How does that jive <laughs> with the fact that do they have Henry Cavill locked in? Uh, what about 
J.J. Abrams. J.J. Yeah. Abrams is making a he, – they signed Bad Robot. Bad Robot is on the payroll to produce and, and direct, to some degree, I would imagine, some amount of DC films, one of those being a Superman project. Was that the Black Superman one? Uh, I forget. I, I think name. it was the the Black Superman one. So Walter Hamada, one of his projects, he doesn't. He didn't want Henry Cavill back as Superman. Walter Hamada clearly has an a, an axe to grind with Zack Snyder and everything that Zack Snyder touched. So if you notice, the only character, not even the Flash. Not even with yeah. <laughs> everything Ezra Miller has done. The only character that DC has had on ice is Superman. Think about Which it. Which is wild because Henry Cavill is the least of the problems with. Yes, I agree. Man of Steel and the Zack Snyder verse. Like. With the whole. The, with, right? Like le, le, less so. controversial than Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he seems like this dude's just building PCs at home. Mm-hmm. You know, like he is a chill guy. Yeah, and he's uh, like he's a good Superman. Like agreed. Yeah, yeah, and and yet, and yet they don't want him. What's the only solo hero movie that Zack Snyder directed? Man of Steel. Sure. Yeah. So. Hamada, no interest in, in, in anything Superman except for the black Superman. That was something, that was a project that he was very invested in. And again, that was going to be written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, mm-hmm. The funny thing is that all that stuff has kind of stalled. We haven't really heard much about any of that. Yeah, I think especially after the Discovery buyout, things have gotten radio silent across the board. This is the first major non-Ezra news that we've had for the DC EU, is the way I like to say it. Not EU, but EU. <laughs> um, that, you know, of potential forward momentum of where we're going. Right. And and by the way, with the Superman stuff, uh, that's – so J.J. Abrams attached – Ta-Nehisi Coates writing. And by the way, J.J. attached as a producer, not the director. Which is probably means he just has his name on it. Like, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Juxtaposed with an entirely different project by Michael B. Jordan. That's also oh, a black Superman. <laughs> That's right. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I believe his was based on, uh, you know, for not to be disparaging, but Obama Superman. From uh, uh, Earth Two or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. President Superman. Obama. <laughs> oh my god! I don't have. I don't have the, the, the sound. <laughs> um. Uh, allegedly, that's still happening, but again, radio silence as we discussed. Meanwhile, the Flash Two already written. <laughs> Man, they they were quick to that one. That's yeah. That's what that's what uh, Hollywood Reporter is saying, and that Warner Brothers Discovery, their biggest focus is on bringing these A list characters to the screen with the quickness to get back on the horse, start producing these films. So 
right from Flash 1 to Flash 2. Don't even know who's going to be playing that character because it can't be Ezra Miller. It can't oh, it'll, be. It'll be. Let alone in the in the movie they've already made. <laughs> it'll right, like be. this conversation yeah. about replacing him in the movie they already made and you're writing the script for the second one? Yep. That's unreal. Unreal. You just got to say, oh, I'm so sorry. And then they'll, they'll be like, all right, Ezra, it's fine. We can do another Flash. Read that. I read that Ezra is facing like 26 years for everything well, yeah, he's done. It depends on what, the, what, and what they've done. Uh, everything yeah. they've done. Yeah, they pled not guilty, but uh, listen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we... Uh, rich, rich white person in, in Hollywood. Yeah. He'll be all right. Wouldn't be the first one in uh, prison, though. Make a comeback. Do you think the, the Flash will then have to figure out who um, framed. Ezra to get them out of prison and that'll be the, the third movie. <laughs> then we can shift to an entirely different person because James Gunn this is, is the part eyeing projects. For. Yeah, this is the mm. part that I'm excited for. So James Gunn is allegedly working on uh, a secret DC project Um that's obviously not Peacemaker, but we are still getting second season of that. There were talks of I don't know if this sorry I don't know if this is still on board, but there were talks about a a different spinoff show from uh, from Suicide Squad spinning out of Suicide Squad in addition to Peacemaker. I don't know if that's still on the table, but we talked about that a year ago. Wasn't it rumored to be an Amanda Waller joint? sort of thing vehicle mm. yes yes there were rumors but we don't know for sure yeah um i mean look james gunn is super talented mm -hmm. i didn't like the suicide squad as much as most people but it's you know it's solid um mm. but if he's got something on lock like if there's a project that he's working on I mean, it's hard not to get excited, at least to some degree. I think he would even... be great for like, uh, like a like a like a blue beater, booster gold sort of thing, or maybe like a JLI. You know, hmm. he does yeah. ensembles yeah. real well, um, and he's got a, a knack for humor. So, sure. What were you gonna say there, Kale? Yeah, even if you, you know, your personal opinion. You know, like you were saying, you you weren't crazy about these the Suicide Squad. Um, like, it's a a competent film. You know, like it's very well put together. And I think you know, even your personal opinion aside, like you can at least be excited to go see like a good movie. You know, from a from craft DC, from a craft standpoint, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something with like something with vision to it, you know, yeah. something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a reason why I'm not excited for anything that we're talking about, and I'll, I'll get to that at the end. Um, none of it's coming <laughs> because there's there's still more angles. We haven't even talked about Matt Reeves. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> Matt Reeves. What is, wait, wait. Is this like the battle for the cowl of the the DCU? Yes, yeah. that yes, that is exactly what what you know what we're what we're here to talk about. This is everybody carving the D. Like, imagine the DC logo is just this big cake, 
and all the people we're talking about it are standing around the cake and they're all trying to scoop pieces out. Not just one. They're not just looking for their piece. James Gunn's looking for Matt Reeves' piece. Mm-hmm. You know, Ayo. Walter Hamada said, screw this. I don't even want a piece. This cake's poison. <laughs> but everybody's trying to get their piece. So Matt Reeves yeah. is looking to make spinoff films for villains of the Batman universe. Ah, the Sony method. But he's not going to be making them himself. He's teaming with filmmakers and writers and, you know, of all kinds to try to put these movies together. Focused on, and the names, these are the names in the reporter article, uh, names like Scarecrow, Clayface, but also Professor Pig. Those are literally my three favorite Batman villains. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. Don't care. Not <laughs> one. Here's the other here's another point of, of, of Discord. I told you Dwayne Johnson was told no about Henry Cavill fifty million times. This man went around Hamada and went to the executive end and spoke to uh two of the two of the major executives over at DC about trying to bring Henry Cavill back. And you know, tying into the Man of Steel 2 announcement, according to this article, they said yes for a future project. That's such well, a badass move. That's a bad move. You think so? I mean, look, Hamada's gone, so it doesn't affect the rock but no no uh organization should work that way this is pure carny wrestling kind of uh maneuvers here this is something he learned on the the circuit 100 million percent yeah the rock had big the rock had, had the ability to go to mcmahon didn't matter what any other producer joe schmo said yep. the rock could go to mcmahon absolutely um and in this case the rock went to Warner Brothers Pictures uh, executives Michael DeLuca and uh, Pam Abdi and spoke to them, you know, and, you know, he got the green light there. What is happening at DC? This is a result of David Zaslav, whose only experience in running a company, right, like a, a, a company that produces entertainment from a from a film or television standpoint, is working with Discovery, producing the 90 Day Fiance universe. Fantastic universe. He doesn't know much about the DC universe. He doesn't know what films or characters should be prioritized over others. He looks at it and he says, well, and and rightly so, by the way, hey, where's our Superman movie? Where's our, you know, Batman sequel that should be in development? Where's Flash? You know, where are all these movies? Where's our Spider-Man? Imagine. (laughs) Sorry. Get me those pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man. But he's saying that, right? And he's saying, get it to me how you can. Meanwhile, all these filmmakers have the ability, right? Imagine if we were talking about Marvel. Imagine if I said, yeah, um, 
uh, the Russos are independently working on movies about uh, Craven, or well, I guess it couldn't be Craven. No, uh, it's funny you make a joke about that because that's actually happening. Yeah, right. But like, who's a who's an obscure villain? Like, they're working on a Batroc the Leaper movie. You know? Oh, yo, hype! No, G- GSP finally getting that that starring role. It, it wouldn't happen. It it there wouldn't be this much. There aren't even rumors like that about the internal <laughs> workings of Marvel. Like we talked about Blade and stuff, but that was just conjecture. Conjecture. We don't yeah. know what happened. We don't it's know. Leaky, we'll, all, this is a leaky we'll ship. This know. one. All the all the stuff that we do talk about that they're like Marvel related properties, but it's not like you know MC you know directly from the MCU. You know that's all Sony stuff. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that because Kevin Feige's got a folder on you. You know, he's got, he's got I, he some. He probably uh, does. Oh, he definitely does. I, I, by the way, Catherine, I'm not even crapping on the 90 Day Fiance universe. I'm sure it's all great, but like, super, 90 Day Fiance universe, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a two totally different deals, and Zaslav's in charge of both from an overseer standpoint. Who is more recognizable, the Flash or Big Ed? You know, I'm going to go with the Flash on this one. Big Ed, though. <laughs> no neck Ed. Yo, cast him as uh, Mad Hatter in this uh, Matt Reeves thing. Hey. Nah. Yeah. Could have been a penguin. Could have been. Should, shouldn't have been. <laughs> I'm fine with Colin no. Farrell. He's doing all right. But it, it feels like there's just no cohesion to any of this. The Batman feels great and special because it's Matt Reeves vision and sort of what he came up with and it doesn't tie into anything else now you're talking about spinoffs spinoffs a Clayface movie Clayface hasn't been good enough to get any movie I disagree Tyler don't disagree what do you mean you disagree can I even finish what I'm saying Clayface hasn't been good enough to be a Batman villain in a movie in 60 years. 60 years. But his first time, his first exposure should be a solo film. Yes. Not done by Matt Reeves. Done by we don't know who. I, Tyler, I, stop I will, it. Stop the I will say stop Matt it. Reeves. Matt Reeves, I got a script ready. I can get a script ready for you. I have, I've always so had you, one in wait, my head. Hold, Tyler, do you have one? Or? I can get one. I can make one. I got one up here. Trust me. It, it, it is. If you want your your version of Werewolf by Night, I got one for Clayface up here. No. This, this is where I my mean, mind no, goes. I want that. However. <sighs> <laughs> no words. Just sigh. It, it only adds to the problem. Basil Carlo. Come on. Let's go for it. And and there's no one saying no. You know, there's no one saying, hey, what are we doing here? Do what does our universe look like? What are the yeah. what are the rules? You know, because if Matt Reeves has a corner, that's a Batman corner, right? Where he's making movies centered around the villains with other screenwriters. And then there's another corner with Joker. A Joker yeah, corner with Todd to Phillips. Yep. There's too many yep. corners. What is this? A deca- dodecahedron or something? <laughs> Worse than that. 
where's and then and then there's the JJ Abrams corner with Superman. But then there's also but the, but the Superman there's black. And then there's the Charles Roven corner where the Superman's white. And then there's the Michael B Jordan corner where he's black again. I'm confused. No wonder I don't Dan, know what's going on. No wonder Dan Lynn was like, "Nah, I'm good. I'm good." Yeah. I don't wanna. <laughs> yeah. This is nuts. This is nuts. I'm not excited for any of this. Not at all. Because guess what? When you don't have oversight and when you don't have someone saying no, look at the last 10 years of DC. Look at what it's been. I think a lot of that stuff was interesting. Most people don't. What I I thought I thought bat, I watched Batman versus Superman right now and have a good old time. Most people don't feel that way. Should it have existed in the first place? Hell no. Hell no. There never should have been a Batman versus Superman movie. That's a terrible idea for a movie. Th- that was also Awful. like that movie was like the movie that would be in a movie as like a joke. Yes, yeah, it literally was. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. But I think even in even in uh, I Am Legend, it wasn't Batman versus; it was Batman and you know what I'm yep. like Batman oh, Superman. Was in, uh, yeah, shit. I yep. forgot about that. Okay. Why the hell would you make a movie where they're fighting each other? Like, yeah, that could happen. It could happen within the movie, but they're the world's finest. Well, because the, it, it's like it's like when a when a child gets uh, gets brought up in a, a a volatile household. What does that child learn? It learns how to fight. Um, this movie was brought up. In a, a a company where everyone is just ar- arguing or leaving projects or not listening to each other, saying no, going around them, eh, of course the movie was going to be a mess. Right. Uh, to the chat, I'm not saying you can't do standalone movies. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like I think we've seen it's been it's been proven that they can happen. Like the Batman, um, is is its own, or at least I thought was its own ecosystem in which they'd be telling a Dark Knight-type trilogy, you know? Not in style, but just in the fact that it's a trilogy, all its own thing, and that's that. That's what I thought. That's what I thought we were getting. I didn't think we were getting Clayface, Professor Pig, Scarecrow films done by other people. I'm not looking for that. And even if you're saying, hey, this movie doesn't tie in, cool. Is there going to be a universe? Are we getting a shared universe? Black Adam implies that. Mm. But these announcements don't. Or they're not announcements. I shouldn't say the announcements. But this project line doesn't. It, to me, it's it's like all gobbledygook. It's all nonsense. Gobbledygook would, would be what Clayface is about. <laughs> yeah. More wow. like gobbledygook, but yeah. I just, I don't know. There's just too much going on. Although I, I would say, like, yeah, standalone films aren't a bad idea. Unless I'm talking to Sony. Horrible idea, guys. Stop doing it. Don't do it. <laughs> right. Like, DC's track record with standalone films is good right now. Mm-hmm. Because the the oh, movies oh. that... Hold on. There's a, there's a new bet. New bet just dropped in the chat. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. From... uh. Uh, uh, a resident gambling boy. addict. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't necessarily think I don't necessarily think that they are happening. But the fact that all of this conversation is taking place is already bad. 
Because again, there's no cohesion. If you're going to say we're going to make standalone films and we're going to have a universe, that's totally acceptable. Do what you want. But do it in a way where people understand what's happening and do it in a way where behind the scenes, there's somebody controlling this. Someone has to be controlling this. How much of this do you think is normal sort of Hollywood bullshit? Uh, you know, stuff gets optioned, you know, in the in the script development side, but never moves forward. Somebody buys an idea and it never moves forward, but it's just like magnified because mm. the superhero stuff is so in, you know. I think I think it's a little bit of that being magnified, but also because you have that foil that is the MCU and what they're doing. Yeah. It's so it, it, yeah. it's you can't help but draw comparisons. When, when honestly, the, the MCU is kind of a, a fluke, really. Like I don't like even Star Wars, which was around longer in terms of film with Lucasfilm, can't even manage to to do that correctly. Um, I don't see anything ever matching the MCU. This is why I don't understand people who say this is an equality conversation. Of course, it's a quality conversation. The last three Star Wars movies they put out, well, the last three core episode sure. movies they put out didn't hit they just didn't like whatever numbers they did whatever financials they did people are done mm. they're I done because those think they're in like those, the top 10 movies of all time though in terms of sales but whatever doesn't matter you know why i, I say that because lucasfilm put them on ice there's something wrong like it, it is what it is like there's something wrong there whereas when you look at Marvel, the difference is that even if I don't like the last few movies they've done, it's all top down. Yeah. Yeah. There, um, I just looked up the, like specifically with Star Wars, I looked up the diminishing returns. Uh, Force Awakens at number four on top of all time. Then we go to The Last Jedi, 16. And then we go to all the way down to 35 for Rise of Skywalker. So like even they couldn't do it. And For- Force Awakens was the first Star Wars movie at all in almost, well, not a, not quite a decade, but like half Close a decade it, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, it was a significant release, but they clearly got it wrong. They disappointed a lot of people. And that's a quality conversation. You know, if you told me, hey, all the movies, if you if, if we could look into the future, right, if I had a crystal ball. And you could say every single movie on this list that I just discussed is coming out, but but every single one of them will be good. I would say, okay, bring it on. Mm. Why wouldn't I say that? The reason why I'm ranting is because I know that's not what's going to happen. Because I don't trust them. Mm. Mm. And and again, this is happening because there's a vacuum. There's not a leader. This is what happens when there's not a leader. I can't can't see anyone even really wanting to have to be the one to wrangle all this. Yeah, this Especially when the company is Discovery who wants to cut corners for 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 profit at every single opportunity they get. I can't imagine someone saying, "All right, this is worth my time and the money they're paying me." I don't see it happening yeah. with this leadership. Mm. And also worth pointing out, not necessarily my cross to bear per se, but uh worth pointing out that all the movies we're talking about, they don't include 
Batgirl, you know, uh, a, a, a woman who was just we were just about to get that debut cut. You know, yep. that's not in the conversation. We're not talking about a Supergirl movie anymore, which we were talking about before. We're not talking about a Nightwing movie. Not that I necessarily want that, but I think that could be pretty cool under the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. Not talking about it. We're not talking about anything, any characters who maybe should have a shot. We're not talking about anything like that. We're talking about the same characters we've already seen, yep. except in the case of Matt Reeves, who wants to make movies about P- Professor Pig. It's funny. We're, 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 it's 2022. And we're still thinking about, well, when's this new Superman movie going to be made? All that's supposed to be on a conveyor belt. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. not, not, not creatively. But timeline-wise, this is what we're doing. This is the plan for Superman. How do you not have a plan for Superman? What kind of company is this? You don't have a plan for a five most recognizable character in the history of humanity. Oh, okay. But I'm supposed to get excited about Professor Pig. Got it. Shambles. DC Films is in shambles. They need a leader. Someone has to step up and wrangle this. And maybe some of these people that I've mentioned won't be happy. Like maybe James Gunn. And and again, I don't know what the project is. I'm sure it'll be great. But maybe James Gunn shouldn't have pick of the litter. Maybe that's not the right way forward. Maybe there should be a plan for those characters that you can fit Gunn's vision into but that should be a part of the plan. Or maybe the plan is let James Gunn do what he wants. As long as there's a plan, that's fine. But there is none. And that's the issue. Uh, real quick, what do you guys think? These, what do you, A, what do you guys think are the odds of these projects coming to fruition? And B, what do you guys think DC has to do to solve the problem if you see this as a problem? The, the only thing, I mean, yeah, it's a problem. Um, how they fix it, I have, I have no fucking clue. They apparently have no clue either. Um, it's just so entrenched in, in, in a mess that I don't know how they fix it. But out of all these projects, I do think we get Man of Steel too. I think that the, the fan outcry for it has been persistent, and you have someone like, like The Rock kind of gunning for it. Um, and it's hard to say no to The Rock because he's intimidating. <laughs> I gotta imagine that's, that's how he got past the suits in the first place, right? He's the rock, you know, what are you going to say? No to the rock? No, I'll go with someone else besides you. Um, uh, especially with Black Adam, like, even if it takes 15 years, I feel like the rock, if he wants something done, it's going to happen. That's his career, really. Mm. Um, mm. Whether or not he has the, the, the know-how to be the Feige of the DCU, um, I don't know. But Hell uh, no. I, I, he doesn't. He doesn't have the, the the CV for it. That's for sure. Um, but you know, sometimes it's, it's it's about drive. It's about power. Um, and you know, the Rock stays hungry and he devours. And maybe that's what'll do with with DC going forward. I don't know. I, I do see Man of Steel two happening. When? Who fucking knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I sort of think they should just abandon the universe. I mean, you know, we've said this. Oh, for a while now. Forget it. St- you know, stop making the comparison. Do you think they should make like, forget it, up- 
and then just do solo stuff like Joker was was successful, Batman was successful. I mean, that would at least take the pressure off, right? Like Sure. You know, if they if they emphasize like we listen, you know, if they were honest about the fact that listen, we can't compete with that. We can't. We have these heroes and we don't have a track record of of doing that and doing it well. We can't, you know, have these movies instead. Good luck telling that to shareholders, though. You know, like that's a thing. Yep, that's a thing. Shareholders see I the mean, MCU; they see the the massive money, um, uh, uh, I guess, a giant that the MCU is, and that's what they're going to want, no matter what. But I mean, but you also, you know, at some point, you know, somebody's got to put their foot down and say this is a mess. <laughs> like nobody, you know. The, the shareholders can't dictate what's happening because it's not working. Uh, you know, when, somebody's got to say, listen, respectfully, y'all ain't got it. Can't and shouldn't are, are different words here, though. Like, uh, that's, Listen, that's why I'm uh, not in charge of the DCFU yeah. <laughs> because I'll say F you to the shareholders. <laughs> and they'll say F you right back and they won't yeah, have yeah. any money. That's right. Um, I've always said start with the Justice League and work your way out. Honestly, start with the JSA at this point, but well, listen, I don't, that's not that's not unreasonable either. Yeah. I think that I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I, I in my mind, no, no, no. in my mind, a filmmaker-driven uh, shared universe or situation where filmmakers are carving out their space. Um, sounds like a disaster because to, you know, obviously they would want this filmmakers would want control and they would want the ability to make things how they want to make them. And even if you, even if it's not a shared universe necessarily, you might not want certain things to happen with certain characters or, for this character to appear in this movie for a million different reasons that don't have anything to do with a shared universe. So I think somebody has to step up and uh, figure out this mess. It ain't going to be me. It they don't be pay me, me enough. If you let me do that Clayface movie, it could be me. Oh, man. Imagine That's Tyler's I'll... vision for the MCU or DCU. I'll, I'll do it without the Clayface movie. Damn it. I've been, I've been outbid. <laughs> yeah so let us know your thoughts at home about what's going on with the dcfu uh it's it's a it's a garbage fire but i i do think i do think that there's a possibility for things to go well uh we just need some leadership and you know hey on the other hand of what i just said these are this is a very talented group of people so um you know while i'm getting cabal vibes uh, Marvel Cabal vibes from you know before Kevin Feige almost actually left Marvel because yeah. there were just too many cooks in the kitchen. Oh, I was uh, I was thinking uh, comic book Cabal with uh, Norman with the cornrows. That's what I, that's where my head went. Well, that's how I got the name. I guess probably so. not that different. Oh, hey Shenron. Oh, Shenron here to make our wish. Don't, don't worry, the Flash movie will be there to solve the problem. Yeah, don't worry, darling. Flash is there. <laughs> I can't wait to see that movie. You know why? Not because of Ezra Miller. 
but because of course not. within the context of right within the context of everything that's happening you know in the wider like behind the scenes dc stuff this movie doesn't even make any damn sense like i can't <laughs> wait to see how they make it make sense. it's a traitor act. Yeah. <laughs> and we keep forgetting michael keaton's coming back as batman in that like that is uh-huh. Just lost in the sauce now, and I feel so bad for him with Batgirl being demolished. He too, said, like, he uh, said this week, he he said that uh, somebody asked him about Batgirl, and he said, "Yeah, it was canceled. It was a good business decision, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least he's taking it in stride. Yeah, are there any projects that we've discussed here that you're excited about? Like, Clayface. Are you a listener? <laughs> I don't, he oh, doesn't even listen to his. Okay. He's yes. not even asking. He's not even listening to our our own conversation. <laughs> nope. All Clayface up here, buddy. Oh Foolish. man. Foolish. Uh, wow. Yeah. And and by and, the way, and that's just the ADHD. <laughs> oh, thanks for reminding me. Uh, a reminder uh, that a wave blue world is putting out Mezzo two on November second. Thanks to Tyler Chin Tanner for. Joining us, we had a great conversation. Go check that that stuff out at uh, a Wave Blue World or awbw.com for all their great comics. Uh, support good comics. Before we go, I do want to let you guys know how you can support us. Support good podcasts. Uh, I think this is a good podcast. You can do so, so at... Jesus, Sean. What's that, Tyler? I said I would hope so. Listen, dude. I was watching old stuff recently, and I was like, "Man, we're doing a lot better. Um, we've we've improved, at least to me. Uh, let us know that you think we've improved. Show your support by reaching out to us uh, at Patreon.com/slash/TheComicsPals, where for as little as three dollars a month, you can support us. Show us that you think we do a good show, uh, and get a lot of really cool stuff out of it too. Uh, we dropped our most recent episode of Palling Around." which is the show where we just shoot the breeze about whatever it is that we feel like talking about. This week we talked about music and its influence on our lives and, you know, all that kind of cool music stuff. We have a deep dive conversation about music. So go on over and check that out. A lot of cool stuff over there. Also for patrons, we're doing a watch along. Mm. We're going to be watching blade together. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be happening Next Sunday on the 29th, so October 29th, uh, if you are a patron, you can come hang out with us over there, and we'll, we'll uh, watch your, watch Blade, watch a little uh, spooky movie together. Uh, or not the 29th, October, the 30th. 30th. Okay. Yeah. yeah. October 30th. Uh, so that'll be so much fun. Um, watch this show live at twitch.tv slash the comics pals every single Saturday at 10 15 a.m. Eastern next week. We will have Al Ewing on the show. Hmm. So that, that promises to be a great time. Send in your questions for Al Ewing all over the place at the comics pals at gmail.com on discord, join our discord on social media in the comment section of this, whether you're watching it on video, whether you're watching it on listening to it on podcast platforms, wherever it is, leave us a comment uh, with your questions for Al. Pals polls on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. Let's get into our plugs. Uh, Kale. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at KLWARD.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Uh, don't forget to go pick up Adam Volume 1, The Beginning, uh, from Titan Comics. Uh, I lettered it. <clears throat> and if you want to see the next thing I lettered, you can pick up Common Rider Kuga, um, November 22nd. Nice. <clears throat> cool. Tyler? Uh, you can uh, follow me at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter. Um, uh, or uh, you can't play with me, but I want, I, I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap lately. So if you want to show me your decks, uh, if you want to send me some deck pics. Your what? Uh, feel, uh, deck pics, uh, pictures of your deck on uh, Marvel Snap. Uh, feel free. Uh, there's no um, uh, playing with friends yet. Apparently that's coming in a later patch. So it's just randos right now. Um, but like, yeah, I'm curious what kind of deck you're running. I'm running a good, uh, a good Heimdall deck and uh, an Apocalypse deck that I'm having fun with. So, uh, good stuff. Are these builds that you've uh, created yourself or stuff yeah. you? Uh... Okay, yeah. cool, nice. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, I am, I am only looking forward to uh, two things right now. One of them is God of War 2, God of War Ragnarok. Yep, yep, yep. And the other is the sweet release of uh, the Eternal Slumber. Playing God of War until completion without stopping will probably lead to that sleep. So these are the last days. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, For (laughs) Tyler and Kale, I'm Sean saying uh, take care, guys. We'll see you next week without you. See you next week.